0: Sleazy way. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to The Sidelines. I'm your host. My name is Korsay Chard. I'm here with my other host, my mans. That's AP over here, Cordo. How are you, buddy? I'm going well. I tried to throw a little bit of extra sleaze into that intro, but I don't know if it worked. Yeah.
1: I, feel, I really feel like you steered into the skid that we're, we're cheesy radio presenters. <laughs> I, feel like, <laughs> I feel like, I don't know when that happened, but... Embrace it? Yeah, I think it's going to be watching Family Guy, and it's in that episode again that we
0: they really like. But uh... yeah, well, we'll stick with it. <laughs> but anyway, look, this is a special edition episode. I feel like I say that quite often, but this is a special episode because it is the third or fourth in our sports movie breakdown series, and it is, of course, our winner.
1: End of demo. We are the Globo Gym Purple Cobras. And we will, we will rock you.
0: That's right, folks. Dodgeball, a true underdog story.
1: Except in this instance where it was a hands-down favorite. Yeah. Which I'm kind of, uh, like, I'm going to be honest. I'm disappointed that Semi-Pro didn't win. Not as not as disappointed as I was when Mighty Ducks won. Yeah. Um, it's just I really enjoy Semi-Pro. But do you
0: think your saltiness is beneficial to our content?
1: Yeah. I think people I think <laughs> I think people look to me as a beacon of hope to get the most
0: amount of salt that they need. And me and me as a blind sheep that pumps things up. Yeah, I'm here to call it how it is. Yeah. And I've just got <laughs> I am here to bury my head in the sand.
1: You know, they're gonna look back in eons from now at novels that I've written out just <laughs> ripping shreds of things that people enjoy and they're going to be in this archive and everyone's going to be like, it's just going to be under the, like the banner like hero section. And it's just every book and plot hole that I've
0: ripped apart. Yeah, that or they could make some sort of daytime telly movie about you and it'd be called The Saltiest Man in the Land or something like that.
1: That would also work.
0: Where people are like, he actually hated The Mighty Ducks. <laughs> but no, look, Semi-Pro is a classic movie. It's one of those movies where I feel like not a lot of people have actually seen it, or if they did, they were quite dismissive of it. Um, It has the greatest intro song in the history of cinema, hands, hands down.
1: And look, let's be honest, there's another one too, which is because we didn't do any research on it. So let's just we can just say what we want with that and back it up with facts. But it's, I think Semi Pro went was like a straight to DVD movie pretty much. I mean it was
0: at the cinema, but yeah, it didn't have a big release. That
1: should be down like that. I went straight to DVD. Did it? Yeah. Did it actually? I don't know. No, nah, nah, it didn't <laughs>
0: no way it went straight. I feel to like DVD. it did. It had Will Ferrell, Woody Harrelson. If it was at the cinema, it was like a week. It might have been one of those ones where it just didn't have a big release in Australia. Yeah, I'll believe that. Yeah. I mean, like, it had a big release in Japan. No, you know what? I know it wasn't. Because in Japan it had the movie banner of Will Ferrell naked <laughs> lying sideways on a massage table with the basketball covering his bits. <laughs> and that was the promo poster. Yeah.
1: Uh, I remember that. All right. So But yeah.
0: Look to be fair, we're probably unfortunate.
1: Unfortunately, unfortunately, we've talked about Semi-Pro probably more for the Dodgeball one. But look, at some point, Semi-Pro, there's going to be some some
0: things. Yeah. You could see it in the voting, right? Like, Dodgeball was a lot of people just going, not nah, Dodgeball, all time. But there were a few, there was about 30 to 40% who also said Dodgeball, but I do love Semi-Pro. So there was a, there was a few diehard comedy fans. Would like
1: you say semi-pro. that this is our closest voting one? All the other ones have been...
0: Effectively whitewashes. Yes. that's Yeah, that's a good point. This one was about, yeah, about two to one it panned out, which was fairly, yeah, fairly close from the absolute slaughter that we've seen on some of the others. Yeah,
1: because Sandlot guys are above it. They don't yeah. vote. <laughs> <laughs> but look,
0: take us on a journey. Yes. Yeah, so dodgeball. Vince Vaughn, Ben Stiller, two lead stars, Massive movie stars in the early mid 2000s, Uh, late 90s, they started to come on. But with things like old school Zoolander, Anchorman, they were part of that crew called the Frat Pack, if you recall correctly, which was the sort of cheesy evolution of the Brat Pack. Uh, I believe there was one from the 80s too that had all those kind of like Molly Ringwald, Demi Moore, Rob Lowe cats in it, but I can't remember the name of that one. But look, this is the frat pack with like Owen Wilson, Luke Wilson, which is generous for Luke Wilson because no one knows who Luke Wilson is. Um, He's like a Baldwin brother (laughs) (laughs) equivalent. Uh, Yeah, like Will Ferrell, Vince Vaughn, Luke Wilson, Owen Wilson. I think they include like Jack Black in that kind of uh, crew and Steve Carell. Really? Yeah. The, from what I wonder if Steve Carell is
1: in there. He's yeah. a kind of
0: a weird one. That is an odd one, but it's included uh in the official online Wikipedia definition. I was gonna Stuff
1: say, I, I know I haven't looked into it, so it's really just me questioning because I know yes.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so again, in, I'm yeah. I'm I'm the consumer here. Okay. Taking me on a journey. Well, twenty million dollar budget. So bugger all budget, piss all squad all for our worldwide friends uh, who don't understand the Aussie terminology $20 million budget made $170 million at the box office on release. So that's not including DVD sales and licensing and everything else that's come along with it. So monstrously profitable film um, was not expected to be as big as it became and has ended up being one of those films that was sort of ignored At launch, but now looked back upon and is a really largely quoted, loved film. Yes. You know what I mean? There's a lot of iconic quotes in it.
1: Side note, do you think, like I know we talk about it, that films are very the same at the moment. Yes. And they go through the, you know, it's all about effectively finding an unproduced graphic novel or comic book. Putting into a film, <laughs> telling an actor to go have twelve months to jack up, yeah. you know, get ripped. Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna spend a billion dollars on it, and you're gonna make one point one billion, and we're calling it a day,
0: and everybody's happy. Yeah, and then making a sequel based on all the angry Twitter feedback that it got.
1: But these movies, they're effectively proven to make money. Yeah, and they're all like I like, you know lo- use the term loosely. They're low budget films of twenty million.
0: Yeah, they are low budget,
1: but you know that's still a lot. But in in movie world, that's nothing. And like for the most part, they all seem to make a whole lot of bang.
0: They all made an absolute fortune. So you take out Adam Sandler, who's a separate entity. They're the most profitable films of that time era, yes. In terms of cash outlay to get them made, and then what they dragged in at the box office, and they made household names of all these guys.
1: I just I'm confused why that we don't why that's not a a lens that the studios take, just churning
0: at this type of film. Well, we know how I feel about it, that I think everything's become so convoluted and political and social justice and Look, I'm not against it in many instances, but when it interferes in stuff like this, which you know what it is, it just doesn't seem like there's any just dumb, innocent comedies anymore. Everything's too serious. <laughs> yeah. That's what it is. I don't see dumb, stupid movies anymore. I see everything that's just been way overcooked and everyone's trying to win an Oscar in every single scene now in a movie. Yeah,
1: it's just so enjoyable.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but look, it, quite some uh, juicy details with this film. One that I'd never known about. So the director was a guy called Rawson Marshall Thurber. That's a real f- name. Rawson Marshall Thurber. I feel like that's a great scrabble word. Yeah. Well, it sounds like a character of a like an overweight child that gets bullied in a sort of Disney movie. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, who's that? Oh, that's Rawson Marshall Thurber. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but he uh, he's directed iconic cinematic classics that raise the bar for story and uh, just overall quality. So he wrote and directed Central Intelligence with The Rock and Kevin Hart. <laughs> And Skyscraper with The Rock. <laughs> Both sadly commercial successes, but some of the most painful movies I've ever seen. Um, but Dodgeball was his first film. So he obviously was uh, identified as a quality, talented individual and in a studio, gave him cash and allowed him free uh, reign of the car. But the juicy thing about this is... The studio was sued after release and settled out of court with two writers. Now, the story goes that they submitted a almost identical script to the same studio through the same uh, studio representative assistant. Theirs was about dodgeball, all kind of similar things. And then two months later, uh, Mr. Old Mate... Rawson Marshall Thurber submitted his script through the same assistant studio representative and his got up. Now, some of the scary similarities include a crazy old mentor in a wheelchair who <laughs> dies before the big game, an overweight dorky guy who is the one that comes up with the idea to enter the dodgeball tournament. Um all kinds of things, wearing ridiculous costumes and all the other like competitors being in sort of their own like themed costumes. To
1: be fair, in a weird way, I could probably give a pass to a whole lot of those. I think the fact that you've had two scripts within two months, two months about dodgeball. Yeah. That's, that's the only flag on the play I need. Yeah. Everything else is, is honestly a movie trope. Yeah. So you can get away with it. But the second was just like, we also wrote a script about dodgeball. so. Yeah. Oh okay.
0: How how fat a check would you like? Yeah, and like down and out losers being bullied by sort of like cool bad guys and then beating them in the tournament. Like there's that's kind of been done a lot, but it's all way too coincidental. The the guy, the killer is the the old mentor in a wheelchair who's crazy and then dies the night before the big game. I was like that's way too specific.
1: If he wasn't in a wheelchair, I probably
0: would have been like, yeah, again. Happens often. Yeah, every movie, every sports team has a mentor. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, they settled out of court for an undisclosed financial sum, which is always a dead giveaway for guilty as shit. <laughs> yeah,
1: that's guilty as shit and some yeah. dollary dues. Yeah,
0: settled out of court before because it would have been an open case where each party would have presented examples and evidence, blah, blah, blah. Um. And the guy, the main guy that wrote the script – uh, who alleges his was stolen. He was actually an amateur dodgeball champion, yes. which is kind of cool. Cool and weird. And admits that like even in their winning game, he and his mates, he's like two, he's got like multiple brothers and they're all on the same team. They would wear speedos and tank tops <laughs> as their outfit <laughs> to win. So the whole like visual uh, distraction thing was big in their world.
1: I thought that was a move only safe for like when you go play billiards in the pub, whenever we can go do that again.
0: Not in some of the country pubs in Australia. Yeah. It won't last long. But, yes, uh, so that's quite juicy. But then another one of those films that's got elite cameos, um, Chuck Norris, any film that has Chuck Norris as a cameo, much love and respect. David Hasselhoff, who played himself, Chuck Norris played himself, William Shatner, who plays the kind of like weird judge slash commentator slash president slash I don't know, just William Shatner, yeah, of the dodgeball tournament. Um, Hank Azaria,
1: yeah, my personal favorite. I was so rapt, uh when we went through this, um, playing the old sixties. Yeah, so we'll, we'll probably I'll I'll again. Dump quarter in it But we'll probably try To find the clip Where there's like An old flashback To the You know How to play dodgeball And what the rules Of dodgeball And Hank uh, Is the The teacher He's the elite uh, All pro (laughs) Dodgeball guy Who does this uh, Effectively 50s How to play dodgeball Tape Which Is awesome Remember
0: Dodgeball is a sport Of violence Exclusion And degradation So
1: When you're picking Players in gym class Remember to pick the bigger, stronger kids for your team. That way, you can all gang up on the weaker ones, like Winston here. <laughs> nice one, son. You'll be an all-star
0: yet. Just remember the five Ds of dodgeball. Dodge, duck, dip, dive, and dodge.
1: And for those of you who don't know who Hank Azaria is, just in case... Um, he's effectively sixty percent of all the voices on The Simpsons. Mm. So he it, icon, yeah. So he the big ones, obviously Mo, um, yeah. which effectively is his his normalish talking voice.
0: Yeah, Apu, all of them, Chief Wiggum.
1: Yeah, he does. He
0: does so many of he's them. He's iconic. Um, he's also uh, Phoebe's funny science boyfriend, David, in Friends. Yeah, guy with the glasses that kept coming back, like every couple of seasons. He's been in everything. He was the Pharaoh in Night at the Museum. He's just one of those dudes that bobs up in everything. It's just funny. Yeah. Legendary work. Man is worth an astronomical amount of money, too. Yeah, that's not shocking. Simpsons Cash, maybe. Simpsons (laughs) Simpsons cash. Cash. Um, David Hasselhoff did his cameo as himself as the coach of the German team. By the way, another one of those movies where every single team is a very appalling stereotype. Like, the German team look all jacked. They all look like neo-Nazis. Like, they're all these, like, bold, angry, neo-Nazi, fascist psychopaths. But David Hasselhoff is their coach. They worship him. (laughs) So... (laughs) <laughs> he shows them a photo of himself to motivate them. Like the Japanese team are like the kamikazes, and they're all dressed up like sumos, but they're thin. They're all screaming like kamikaze pilots. Uh, I, I think it's city skills. Is the the inner city gang, urban, ghetto, African-American <laughs> team. And they're all in like, remember like when Kangol were making the furry Kangol kind of bucket hats? Yeah. Remember when that was a thing? Like that P. Diddy super baggy velvet tracksuit with sort of the frosted diamond chains and the Kangol hats? They were all dressed like that. Like it's <laughs> terrible. The lumberjacks all look, they're all in lumberjack outfits, but weirdly these sort of tight denim shorts. So there's this kind of village people undertone to the lumberjack team. It's pretty bad.
1: There's some weird shit going
0: on. Yeah. (laughs) It's either like really lazy writing or just like, this is just how we do it. We do cliche offensive. It was like, was it basketball? Remember all the teams were just terrible parodies or stereotypes too, whatever the cities were. But anyway, you have to laugh. It's the only thing to do when you look back on it. Um, but Hasselhoff got to do his cameo. They'd written it in that Hasselhoff was like in a photo and they were just worshiping the photo. And then randomly like a day before they finished filming some stunt coordinator guy was like, Oh, I actually know David. And they were like, can you get him down here? Yeah, I'll call him. And they rang him and he came down and they did that scene where he's like yelling at them, holding the photo of himself.
1: (laughs) That's awesome. Yeah.
0: It's pretty cool. Um, now the gag in the film is how is that dodgeball tournaments are broadcast on an imaginary ESPN channel, ESPN Eight, uh, and that they just show obscure sports. The crazy thing about that is, off the back of that, ESPN have done a kind of recurring gag every now and then where they've called it what was it ESPN the OCO, okay. the OCO. Okay. You'd be able to explain it better than me.
1: Uh, honestly, it's um. Uh it's the weirdest thing to watch, and it's fantastic. It's, it's, I think it's 24 hours from memory. Uh, they basically just pick random sports that would never have any televised crowd ever. So the last time I watched it, some of the highlights, and I, if you think I'm making it up, you're better off just Googling it, was marble racing.
0: <laughs> yes.
1: <laughs> uh, there was this slippery ladder climb. <laughs>
0: Like a Japanese game show kind of thing.
1: Yeah, literally like like that. <laughs> yeah. Um and then one of the other ones, now I've gone a little blank on it. Um uh, they do the I oh, see I don't I'm not American oh, enough.
0: Kabaddi was in it, which yes. for anyone that heard when Alex Malcolm was on talking about gonna commentate Kabaddi in India, Kabaddi was on ESPN OCO. Okay. Uh,
1: I think it's the the cornhole the cornhole toss. Yes. Yes, so that that's on there a fair bit. So Anyway that's now a thing because this is this is a whole built off this yeah again as as Cordo was mentioning the uh the statement that this channel exists for obscure sports and they just steered right into the skid and it's great
0: yeah, well, the fact that like when COVID hit and there was no sport, they then ramped it back up and started running it again so another example like the mighty ducks of some random little thing in a movie that becomes iconic and then a large corporation latches onto it and goes, you know what, we're going to run with this. This is a good idea. Um, yeah, it's, again, like I've seen the movie described as the little sports movie that could. <laughs> like, and that's a great example of it. So there's the
1: glaring omission you haven't got to yet, which I had forgotten about. Yeah. The the all-star focal guest special appearance in the movie.
0: Oh, who have I forgotten? Lance Armstrong. Oh, yes. (laughs) So, yeah, Lance Armstrong. Now, this is is the greatest hindsight gift I reckon I've ever seen in pop culture. Like, apart from maybe some creeper, like, watching... you know, Bill Cosby, and then kind of going, wow, that didn't turn out really well for anybody. But, but, in ter- but this is a hindsight gift where I don't feel as uncomfortable about it. Like, I can actually look back and laugh. So the scene, for those that haven't seen the movie, those that have, they've probably forgotten it. I'd yeah, i I'd, I'd about flat this forgotten scene. this. Peter Lafleur, Vince Vaughn's character, he leads the average Joe Slackers in the tournament. Towards the end, Dwight, the bad guy, Ben Stiller, tries to bribe him to pull out of the tournament. He takes the cash. He decides we're going to lose anyway, stuff it, and he quits. He's in the airport bar drinking, and Lance Armstrong rolls up next to him and orders a drink. Lance Armstrong looks at him and goes, hey, you're Peter LaFleur, right? Man, I love dodgeball. I can't get enough of it. <laughs> hey, you better hurry up and get to the game, man. You're going to be late, because it happens to be on the TV in the airport bar.
1: Again, too, it's amazing that somehow they've worked in that Lance Armstrong is watching <laughs> random Ball. shit on ESPN. <laughs> yeah. And it's also in the lounge yeah. where there's a million other sports on at any time there's no way yeah talking about on the lounge
0: yeah exactly and he's like oh no nah, man i'm not going to play i quit and then lance goes on this sort of like long winded quit you know once i was thinking about quitting when i was diagnosed with brain lung and testicular cancer all at the same time but with the love and support of my friends and family i got back on the bike and i won the tour de france five times in a row but I'm sure you have a good reason to quit. So what are you dying from that's keeping you from the finals? What's if a person never quit when the going got tough? They wouldn't have anything to regret for the rest of their life. But good luck to you, Peter. I'm sure this decision won't haunt you forever. <laughs> <laughs> it is. It's so obscene that that's in there. I know. Like, it, like furthermore, it shows how much of a psychopath that dude is. He so was, put yourself in a movie doing that, knowing at the time you're the biggest drug cheat in the history of sport. But he then got popped like six or 12 months after the film came out. Insane. So in hindsight, it's one of the most hilarious scenes. It'd be like having Ben Johnson, the 80s sprinter, in a movie, like trying to encourage a kid in a Disney movie to work hard and someday you'll be an Olympic sprinting champion.
1: It's I just can't believe someone has done that. Yeah it's just just say no
0: yeah just say no yeah like the narcissism of the guy to do that knowing that you're trying to parody yourself as this elite champion ah oh. but yeah i mean that is i was blown away watching that could oh. not believe it so it's don't want to get bogged. This has been a weird one because we said I could
1: talk about other stuff about this film for probably longer than the film.
0: Well, I hope people are enjoying it. It's like a, we're giving more backstory to the bizarro world of Hollywood with some of this stuff.
1: Yeah. So I'm going to be honest. So we're going to start talking about some highlights of the film. Yes. And then we'll go into my comfort area, which
0: is plot holes. <laughs> <laughs> stuff that just does not stack up in the AP pub test.
1: Uh, I'd like to credit where credit is due, this movie is probably the start from memory of elite, hilarious commentary. Yeah. This, this is it. And I don't know how many times um, I quote, that's a bold strategy, Cotton, in yeah. daily talk. It comes up honestly all the time. Yeah. And it is just honestly – one of the most funniest things about this movie is legitimately the two commentators commentating dodgeball.
0: Yeah, we got Gary Cole, who is a classic, who's bobbed up in all kinds of things from Entourage to his Ricky Bobby's dad in Talladega Nights, <laughs> the one that just shows up with a car and puts a cougar in it. Um, and then, of course, Jason Bateman.
1: It's, it's just the weirdest thing and like he's effectively like a weird hippie drunk dude <laughs>
0: like commentating in a motocross shirt with like, a neck tat yeah with neck tat that spiky fallout boy hair and the reflective like kind of oakly but bought from a service gas station sunnies <laughs> but look some of his highlights let's just roll them out for the audience
1: ouchtown population new bro average joe's wins in a shocking upset I feel shocked. Forfeiting the championship match. It's a bold strategy, Cotton. Let's see if it pays off for him. He's got to make a play here, Pepper. Ah, word, Cotton. Looks like it's going to be a two-on-one, a menage-a-trois of pain. Usually
0: you pay double for that kind of action, Cotton.
1: This sport doesn't build character, it reveals it.
0: F and A, Cotton, F and A, it looks like peter Lafleur has actually blindfolded himself yeah he will not be able to see very well cotton unbelievable ladies and gentlemen i have been to the great wall of china i have seen the pyramids of egypt i've even witnessed a grown man satisfy a camel <laughs> it's old time uh
1: so look that to me that is the bit for me that that I is the best because that is just that's just funny
0: yeah. It's yeah, it's one of those beautiful things. And like Semi-Pro has it too. Like Will Arnett's a commentator in Semi Pro. Um, like Blades of Glory had funny commentary. They they all kind of pinched that ludicrous side commentator gag that adds so much more flavor yeah. to the scenes.
1: I, like I honestly can't think of anything else. So I'm calling this the the origins of that joke. And I'm yeah. so grateful for it because I love it every time. <laughs> The next, my next call out, yeah. which again, for me, I'm going to be honest, this is a weird movie because for those who have ever been within 50 kilometers of me watching an awkward film, Ben Stiller makes me hurt. Like, I cannot deal. It's ultimate cringe. And I feel like Ben Stiller is that guy. You're either just, you're, on, you're in for the ride, you're loving, loving what's happening, or you can't deal. I'm that guy. Unfortunately, yeah. I love Vince Vaughn, yeah. so so I've got this weird marriage where I, I enjoy the Vince Vaughn scenes because Vince Vaughn's a weird guy to kind of enjoy because he's like a weird on-screen. He's always the same character, nobody-ish guy. That's sort yeah. of his thing, and he's got this the weird elite thing which I've called the Vinceism, which is the soft ramble thing where he summarizes what's happening and he does it very quickly. He talks really fast. Yeah, so, for example, in this one, I mean, he does it a lot in all these films.
0: And the signals and stuff. I don't know how you say Ms. for a mister, because it's just mister, but if there was a Ms. mister, I'm a Ms. as well.
1: That's pretty much it. And he, he does this It's in everything he ever does.
0: His wife will come home, and then she'll find him with a guy named Julio wearing leather helmets and clubbing each other to Yanni's greatest hits. Yeah. When am I supposed to kiss her? Do I have to wait for the door? Because then it's awkward. It's like, well, good night. Do you do like the ass out hug? We like you hug each other like this, and the ass sticks out because you're trying not to get too close. You just go right in and kiss them on the lips. So don't kiss them at all. It's very difficult trying to read the situation. Just really wondering are we going to get hopped up enough to make some bad decisions? Yeah. Um, but again, I, st- I laugh every time. Yeah. Old school. Even the breakup with Jen Aniston, which I know you guys have seen it out there. I, like, I haven't seen the breakup, thing.
1: but I just, I know the joke's going to be like, oh, so you going to sit on that side of the couch. Yeah. Oh, I was gonna send in that other couch. Yeah. Exactly. Oh, you're just coming
0: over here. You wherever you want on the couch. I'm the one busting my ass on. You know what I'm saying? What I'm doing? That's why I'm doing it, John. You know what I'm saying, John? Don't do this to me, John. Like that's not a line, but you know, what I mean? that's it's it. The same. It's Vince. And then, like, but it must work because the dude seems sort of dated or been with all of these famous, like, beautiful Hollywood actresses too. So he's obviously he probably just does that on a date. He's just the same character. Probably has no idea the camera's even rolling when he's doing these scenes. <laughs> And he's a big unit too. Oh, he's a massive he dude. He also never seems to do much in his films than just sort of like plod around and be sort of sarcastic yet succinct. <laughs> oh. <laughs> it's, 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 a weird, it's a weird persona that he's got. Yeah. Well, it's, it's very Matt Damon-ish as in I've done 30 films and I've never altered my voice, style, face, anything in every single film. So a weird one for you. Yeah.
1: Is the Ben Stiller character in this movie effectively just the <laughs> character that Ben Stiller plays in Happy Gilmore with like dialed up to 11? Yeah. And we'll give him we'll say he's an 8 in Happy
0: Gilmore. He's an 11 in this. Yeah. It's it's the most unsettling comedy bad guy I've ever watched. He makes my stunt, like I actually feel, you know, the scene where he comes on to Kristen Taylor, I think that's her name, who hilariously is his actual wife in real life. (laughs) He comes on to her after inflate, he has like an inflatable pouch in his crotch of his workout (laughs) wear. He jacks it up with air to make his package look huge. He comes on to her and she goes like, I just threw up a little bit in my mouth. That bit, uh, I feel like that every time he talks on screen. It's just, he's just brutal in this. Yeah, it's hard to, he makes you hate him and wish you never had to hang around him. But at the same time, that to me is also indicative of someone who's utterly nailed a camp over the top, ludicrous pantomime bad guy in a comedy (laughs) film.
1: What are, you, what are you doing here? How do you uh, know where I live?
0: It's called the Freedom of Information Act, Kate. The hippies finally got something right. <laughs> just kidding, but not really. Alliteration aside, I think I'll take my chances in the tournament. Yeah, you will take your chances. I know. I just said that. I know you just said that. Okay, I- I'm not sure where you're going with well, this. Well, I'm not sure where you're going with this. That's what I just said. Well, that's what I'm saying to you. All right. Touche if you don't get off my porch in two seconds, you're going to know exactly how that feels. Woohoo! You like the freaky stuff, huh? That's cool. Well, I can be naughty, too. Real freaking naughty. There's no reason we need to be shackled by the strictures of the employee-employer relationship. Unless, of course, you're into that sort of thing. <laughs>
1: in which case, I got some shackles in the back.
0: <laughs> I'm just kidding. But seriously, I've got them. It is over between us, Kate. Nobody makes me bleed my own blood. Nobody. I read that he his hair was inspired by Patrick Swayze from Roadhouse. <laughs> that doesn't surprise me. Yeah. So again, like I hear that and I'm like, uh, all is forgiven. Like. <laughs> of course you modeled your hair after a movie where Patrick Swayze wears tight jeans and goes around to bars. Rand house kicking people (laughs) to get his girl back.
1: Yeah, it's utterly cringe. Look, the the big one, plot holes. So you want to take the lead on this one. Shockingly, I don't have a novel.
0: I've got some good excerpts. Well, you raise the point that this is one of those movies where it's so ridiculous. So pulling out plot holes is a bit stupid, but I decided for fun, let's just pull them out anyway. And analyze them as if we're watching a film.
1: Yeah, so I'm sure I'm going to get some stick where I literally tore apart Mighty Ducks, but there's a bit more realism su- supposedly in the
0: film, so it's just easier. <laughs> uh, I didn't mean to, it just happened. Yeah, and but, Mighty Ducks has kids, so it's more unsettling when you see like crazy shit happening. But Dodgeball in itself is
1: just ludicrous. It's so stupid that yeah. you just, like, you know,
0: there's not even a plot hole because there was never a plot really to begin with. Yeah. Okay, first one. It's not really a plot hole. It's more we've done plot hole in general BS. (laughs) is kind of the (laughs) theme. Um, Why is it that in every single movie where people instantly need cash to save something, it's always like save the rec center, save the building, save the company, whatever cash amount they need to save whatever it is they're trying to save, they always find something that will deliver the exact amount of cash that they need. Yeah, they never go overs. Yeah, it's never we need a hundred grand to stave off the bank. Ooh, here's a half a million dollar lotto ticket. It's always no, here's a hundred grand lotto ticket. It's never if our team doesn't uh, win the next 30 games. Oh, sorry. If our team doesn't win the next 30 games and the one million dollar prize money to pay off the head coach's debts with the drug gang, <laughs> which happened to total a million dollars, we're in trouble. It's always the same. This one, we need 50 grand to stave off losing the gym. Here's a dodgeball tournament paying 50 grand in prize money. It's a weird trope. Which is in itself insane when you then see the tournament at the end and the fact that it's on ESPN. 50 grand is all they could muster up <laughs> as prize money? Horse crap. <laughs> yeah, that, that, that I
1: feel like that started back with almost like um,
0: Cheers or something. Yeah. I I don't know where it came from. I wish it would die. Yeah. (laughs) It'll never stop. It's always the same. You always just need a very particular amount of money and you somehow find something very quickly that adds up to that exact amount of money. Which sucks because the characters in the films, they're always just paying off a debt. So you never even get to enjoy a little bit of extra cash on the side.
1: So it's a great, again, not a leading point, but we may as well get to it. So... I was going to bring it up as my last one. I I took a different lens to this plot hole. <laughs> okay, is this like a
0: you took a very business minded lens?
1: Yeah, I didn't mean to. It just happened. <laughs> <laughs> All right, lay it on me. It so on then we'll me. come back to the more funner stuff. So, quick summary for for those who are not quite aware um, the whole pr- the whole premise of the movie is that uh, Vince Form he's got a gym it's going under. He yeah. owes fifty grand for some reason. Uh, ben Stiller effectively wants his land to expand his own gym empire. Which is
0: over the road. It's across the road. Yeah.
1: So, f- from for those who haven't seen it, Ben Stiller's gym's awesome. It's got all the best shit. Uh, Vince Vaughn's gym's a piece of crap. It's abso- like it's literally just barely standing. So, his idea is, I'm going to go out and I'm going to make 50 grand. I'm going to pay off the debts and then I'm good. right? Ben Stiller goes through a lot of effort to... You know, he doesn't even need to go in there. In you know, He joins and gets his way into this elite dodgeball competition to try beat Vince Vaughn in it so he doesn't win the money. If he really just took a step back and said, even if he wins, which he may not, but let's just say he wins. He wins 50 grand. He's back to zero. He's even keel. He's not going to make any more money from his business because he clearly doesn't know how to run his business Anyway, yeah. he's gonna be foreclosed in another couple of months. Anyway,
0: yeah, because in it she says um, you haven't collected membership fees in thirteen months. Yeah, I remember watching that the other night, going, "That's so stupid! <laughs> 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 Why are you running a gym and not taking membership fees?"
1: So Ben still is all about getting it now, but he literally could just wait three months and he would get
0: it anyway. <laughs> in a foreclosure, yeah. So that, that unfortunately was my <laughs> we want to pull out. Which is then weird because his gym is some big global gym corporation worth millions and millions of dollars. He goes to all this hassle to try and buy a piece of crap warehouse over the road, which he says he's going to turn it into another, like, bigger global gym. The capital outlay to do that would cost a fortune. And yet at the end of the movie, when Peter LaFleur bets on himself, we'll get to that later, and wins $5 million, that was apparently enough money to buy a controlling stake in the Globo Gym Corporation (laughs) of Ben Stiller. Yeah, that's not exactly how it works. No, it's definitely not how it
1: works. So, unfortunately, the business lens of us is completely... (laughs) (laughs) If you just took a step back, um, look, some of the other weird... We'll we'll go back to some more loosely realistic ones. Yeah. So, from a dodgeball lens, uh, they do their... I guess the invitational tournament to make the championships. (laughs) That's a doozy in this one. They get whooped. But the only reason why they get through this one (laughs) is because the team, the the under 10 Girl Scouts, (laughs) uh, get done for drug cheating. So (laughs) I'd like to point out that in some obscure random (laughs) (laughs) dodgeball sport that's not elite, they're testing people to get inside a competition.
0: Yeah. They're testing ten-year-old girls for anabolics. They ba- they barely test AFL footballers. <laughs> and again, in an organisation where fifty grand is the prize money, you somehow have the money to have a sada drug testing <laughs> regional qualifying tournament.
1: So, so they've got that right. So you've instantly gone, okay, they've set the tone. This is a this is actually a bit more elite than we think. The next sentence, so Ben Stiller, he, he finds out about their plan. He goes, again, I'm going to get in there. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to win the tournament. He knows the chairman and just gets invited in. because yeah. I, ho- I hoped him shed a couple of pounds. <laughs> so so on, one, on one lens there, completely straight barrel down the line, and then a quick phone call and he's in.
0: He's in the tournament, yeah, <laughs> broadcast on TV. That was taken so seriously they were drug testing ten year old girls. Then, then there's the final tournament
1: where, you know, they got, they're going they're going to forfeit because there's there's not enough because uh Vince's oh, average Joe's the average Vince Joe's team, yeah. And then there's this there's a rule book which is, you know, massive. And then the, <laughs> to get them back into it, two out of the three
0: judges are in there. So again, they're just choosing when the rules <laughs> apply. Weird committee judges who were sat in and amongst the crowd. Set up with a desk with their names on nameplates. Oh, it just just gets me every time. Insane. The next thing I want to point out, and this is a thing in all comedy movies, and unlike the frustrating one of they always win the same amount of money, what is it about movies where we laugh at violence that happens to characters in a funny way, and yet we always forget? the violence itself in the real world would actually kill human beings. Now, I'm referring to the iconic scene where (laughs) the coach, Patches O'Houlihan, who's in a wheelchair, decides that to train up the average Joes, (laughs) he'll bring a bag of giant plumbing wrenches, (laughs) and his theory being... If you can dodge a, re- a wrench, you can dodge, dodge a ball. ball. He then proceeds to throw a wrench the size of my leg at <laughs> Justin Long's character, and it hits him flush in the temple and skull. If you can dodge a wrench, you can dodge a ball. What? Oh. 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 <laughs> that would kill no any human being instantly oh or at least give you such severe brain damage you're a vegetable for the rest of your life
1: low tier pretty intense concussion
0: yeah but even then like, even then it's a you like that's me really stretching you you really get hurt well so here's a classic uh, they use rubber wrenches for that scene Justin Long actually lost a tooth and had to get stitches on his eyebrow from a scene where they pegged the rubber wrench. So if that's what's happening off a rubber one, what's a massive steel one doing? The next day he decides that they need to go to a busy highway in I think it's Los Angeles where they are, or Vegas, one of the two, and that dodging a car means you can (laughs) dodge a ball. So it's not just slow traffic, it's extreme traffic. The guy gets hit by a car not once but twice and just gets up (laughs) and plays in the dodgeball tournament. Again, you would be at a minimum paralysed for life but probably dead. (laughs) It, It happens in every movie. It's like Home Alone. You watch Home Alone. The crap that Kevin subjects those two robbers to in Home Alone, at least half of the stuff that happens to them would kill them or paralyze them. Yeah. Hands down. (laughs) I think it's the second one where he drops an iron down this sort of like chute. Yeah, and all he has is a little burn on his face. Yeah.
1: I mean, it's quite a big burn, but still. Yeah, like
0: (laughs) (laughs) even when they're climbing through the room and he steps on all the glass Christmas ornaments and they crack, like they would slice your feet into smithereens. There'd be blood everywhere.
1: I think the thing I'm enjoying the most out of this is that I'm relatively calm in my plot holes, but you're quite livid, which is because making me I just, happy. <laughs> I just sat
0: there realising, what is it about movies where we laugh at this like crazy violence, but we give it a pass? Like, I'm not saying I don't like it. It's hilarious. <laughs> I just don't know where it came from. It's like an evolution of the classic 1940s film, Banana Peel Slip. Oh, I'd be the Three Stooges. You know yeah, Exactly. Like? Like those films where they sort of like get electrocuted and the audience laughs. But you know in the real world, like if you threw a stereo into a bathtub, it's game over.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so that was my big one. So look, I've got another one which is not really a, a, a fault of this movie. It's just a general uh nitpick. Yeah. Why is it that there's always, whenever the team's screwed, right? so? they know they're stuffed. They're not going to win. There's always a side character for whatever reason that's been overlooked, who is somehow elite in whatever it is that they're doing, but doesn't realize they're elite in whatever it is that they're doing. Yeah. So in this one, um, is, it, is it Kate? Yeah, Kate. Yeah. Kate, who's suddenly all about helping Vince. She, she randomly throws a ball. And it's an absolute rocket arm. Like it rips, it literally rips this um cardboard out of Ben Silla. And they're like, "What the hell was that?" And she's like, "Oh, you know, like I'm I'm an ex national softball, softball champ." <laughs> and you're like, "You probably could have brought that up earlier. That's quite a handy skill in what we're trying to
0: do here." Yeah, because she'd been watching them train for days beforehand. She could, instead of dodging reds, <laughs>
1: she could have been just flipping out, freaking balls. <laughs> and they could have been dodging those instead. Like every time, there's a, there's always a side character which is. Again, I can just make up scenes and I know that they have appeared sometime, but I swear you, there's always some like, oh, you know, there's no chance you're going to win. And then you look across the camera pans and the nerdy half fat kid is playing ping pong, but not with like a ping pong bat. And he's just like a, like a legit, <laughs> like he's doing it with his hands or something. And like, bro, what are you doing? He's yeah, just, yeah,
0: he's always a poor kid. He's playing with like a mouse trap. Yeah. And he's <laughs> just, and like, what are
1: you doing? He's just like, oh, I'm just, you know, doing stuff. And they're like,
0: you know, that like, what you're doing it would put you in the top
1: one percentile of like every, every, every type of skill-based activity. And it's just like, oh, cool. So then suddenly he's on the team and they're a chance. Yeah. Like, like without this obscure elite undercover talent that they just find, uh, it just happens so often.
0: Yeah. It's, it's the lazy Hollywood uh, downtrodden outcast that you never thought could offer something. Is actually your greatest chance of winning.
1: So, a big call out, which I uh, just remember then, it's a ridiculous movie. The movie's called Beerfest, Fest, um, we, which is all built around these drinking games in Oktoberfest because Oktoberfest is the fake Oktoberfest. It's all about Beer Fest. Yeah. So, the Americans get their ass kicked and they're training and they have uh, their anchor. So, I can't remember their name, but effectively, he's a big dude who can just drink liters and liters of beer. For story development, they. He he drowns in a vat of beer. But here's the only chance. But then to steer- Oh, so
0: the classic tragedy that befells your, your star player? Yeah.
1: Yeah. But then to steer into that skid, they just bring in his twin brother, who is the, <laughs> same, it's, it's the same actor, um, and they bring it back out where he's just equally as good but hasn't done all the- tra- It's like- The funniest ripoff, like they know that that just just steering into how the sports trope sort of (laughs) gag works.
0: uh, It's just so elite. (laughs) I love that. I love that. My one that I latch onto is at the end, a touch on it where he, he wins money. So, again, a tournament that in some instances looks ridiculous, such as if you don't have a matching uniform, you're disqualified. But apparently, you're allowed to gamble on yourself, which is what Vince Vaughn's character does. He bets on them to win, and then wins five million dollars. But proudly says it in front of all of the judges and officials. I'm like, since when can you bet on yourself in your own sporting competition? Like, yeah, you're not often allowed to do that. So dodgeball, like in that case, dodgeball is like ripe for financial manipulation, <laughs> given that <laughs> you can gamble on it.
1: All right, so. Probably premise it, really have not really painted this
0: picture in a great light. <laughs> no, like I, I I, love this movie. It's, I, love, I love it because it's simple. They took a simple idea, they made iconic characters. Ben Stiller's character is ridiculous. It's got funny scenes, it's got funny quotes. Yeah. Good montage. Yes. Always a montage. But that said, <laughs> it's got some offensive crap in it that you could not get away with today.
1: Yeah, look, look, this is again. We all have to mention this. We go back and watch these. We films. could do a whole episode on this. Um, but this is there's some blatant
0: offensive stuff
1: in here that I just don't think they get away with anymore.
0: No, and this was we spoke about this beforehand. These movies feel like the. I mean, maybe it'll change in the future, but they feel like this was when getting away with saying and doing whatever you want in a film was possible.
1: Yeah, you, you can't really do that anymore. But um, there are a lot of gags
0: which we won't won't repeat. That I sat there going like, oh man, Twitter would erupt if you <laughs> made this movie today.
1: Yeah, it's it's an interesting time for those movies. But the other one too that is a big call out is that these these types of I guess lads. These group of guys who are comedians making funny movies together that everybody knows what they're in. Like, you know what you're in for when these guys make a movie. Yeah, true. Like, you, you're not shocked. Yeah. You know, when wedding, crush, okay, wedding Crashes came out, you know exactly what it is. When... Um, Blades of Glory. Yeah. The, Talladega the, Nights. Like, like, they're all the same. That That, that type of... I guess, guys making this type of film. It sort of feels like it's done a little bit. I I can't see it sort of happening for a little while.
0: No, I mean, streaming services have kind of killed it off as well. But, yeah, I I can't see there ever being an environment where you've got four or five actors, particularly a group of guys, who just seem to, like, make movies for 10 years that destroy at the box office.
1: Yeah, and they just, again...
0: There's there's not a lot of whole bunch of thought into them. They're just good movies. And that like their crew kind of evolved into the Apatow crew, like the Judd Apatow 40-year-old virgin knocked up, like Paul Rudd, Steve Carell, uh Seth Rogen, like again, like they just built a career off these kind of like dudes just being knobs <laughs> and everyone laughing at it.
1: Yeah, but again, like I'm not not to say that that's dead, but it just always feels like it's unlikely because I At the same time, it sort of feels like it's built off like that loose SNL Saturday Night Live crew. Yeah. always sort of is existing, um, but SNL sort of seems to be always on the edge of not existing anymore at the moment. Yeah. Um, Not that I watch it or anything, but that's just what I
0: often hear about. But I think for us, for our generation, like people in our age bracket, these are those movies that make us – It makes me feel a little old because they're the ones that we now look back on and remember high school, uni. They were those movies you watched with all your mates on a Sunday when you were hungover and eating like McDonald's and drinking beers or Cheezels, Burger Rings, chocolates. Like they were those movies that you all watched and you all just wet yourself laughing at and then you quoted in every aspect of your life for years afterwards.
1: Yeah, and you bang on there. That's what these movies are. And look, I'll say it again. The The nostalgia. We're old. The nostalgia. The nostalgia. (laughs) The it's a bold strategy, Cotton. Let's (laughs) see if it pays off for him. I I cannot get enough of that quote. It has never gotten old, and never will get old. I'm I'm all
0: in on his. He's actually blindfolded. Like we played it earlier, but yeah, he will not be able to see Cotton. I mean, Alex even mentioned it in an episode a few episodes ago too, like, you know, the intro of the bigger than World War II combined. Oh, like, it, it's absurd.
1: But again, it's um, it was good to watch it again and go through it. That yeah. is the main thing about these films. You just got to enjoy it. Now,
0: as we wrap up, I think you've hit it now on the head, quoting uh, Pepper, quoting Pepper. We can't beat that. Uh, What's our next ones? Is it uh, we're gonna have to vote on? Uh, that'd be Blades of Glory and Talladega, Talladega Night. Yes, the Will Ferrell face-off, figure skating, NASCAR. I
1: have to double check, but I believe I am Blades of Glory. Yes, I feel like in the race of how this is going, I think I've lost a fair few now. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I can't recall with me. Ending up with ones that I didn't really want to pick. Yeah. But they end up winning, so I don't get to enjoy. The weird
1: irony. (laughs) So now the final moment of this episode, Cordo, is where we make up some numbers and then see what happens.
0: Where we try and remember our voting system that we forget about every time we go to do these.
1: Yeah, legitimately forget it. (laughs) Okay. So I think we'll start off with an easy one for this. Sport, I'm going to give it an eight. Yeah, I was going to give it an eight too. Yeah, It feels right. It's the
0: only dodgeball movie I've seen. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it it takes a very simple school sport that we all loved back in the day and actually turns it into an awesome mega competitive thing. You know what it is? It's one of those movies where you watch it and you go, I'd actually like to go play dodgeball right now and peg a ball at someone's head.
1: Great call. Look, I I think an eight's fair. Yeah. Uh, and I, you
0: know, it doesn't need to be low. It doesn't need to be
1: higher. Yeah. The next one, uh, comedy. I was gonna go with a seven. Look, this is a really hard one for me to judge. It feels unfair for me to judge this one because I can't. Like it, it physically hurts me. <laughs> it physically hurts me to watch scenes with Ben Stiller in it. So
0: I feel like. I just love that quote too much. Yeah, that's I'm giving it a seven because the pepper cotton commentary thing in itself is a big boost. Patches O'Hulahan's dialogue when he's training them up, like just how abusive he is, his ridiculous comments like why do I drink my own urine? Like <laughs> which is so childish. And yet I have I still to this day cack myself laughing. The whole if you can dodge a wrench, you can dodge a ball and just pegging it and hitting a guy in the face like. It's always good stuff. I, I think I even love that the
1: simple gag where um, patches is in the old video and he says the five D's of dodgeball: dodge, duck, dip, dive, and dodge. <laughs> <laughs> just just that little delay on it. Yeah. <laughs> something about that. It just it gets me every time.
0: Yeah, because it's it's simple comedy. Like as I'm humans, a sim- I'm we a simple, like simple person. Stuff. Yeah. So I think seven's fair. Yeah, like and even like Ben still is cringy Dwight Goodman. Like there is some stuff. The opening bit where you see his TV commercial when he's just so patronizing. Like the if you hate yourself and want to join up, like <laughs> it's gold.
1: It's very good. So look, an eight and a seven, and the last one plot and story. Ugh.
0: this is a tricky one because you either award it for being original or destroy it for being absurd.
1: Yeah, this is a tricky one. Look, I I feel like in terms of how hard I ripped it apart, it's not Mighty Ducks level. In terms of Elite Happy Gilmore, it's not quite there. Yeah. I feel like this is just that, again, it's almost like the seven to eight range. Eight, yeah. eight feels too high.
0: Yeah, but seven feels just about right. Yeah. And do you know
1: that's kind of what this movie is. It's a three-quarter
0: movie. Yeah. Yep, you're right. So it's a seven. Yeah. So what's that? for? 22. 22 total overall, which I think puts it in second place or third place.
1: Be very tight with Ace. We so have to go back and check. Yeah. But that also, f- you know, objectively... That feels right. It feels... where Ace is definitely more funny, but also just way more loose in terms of what type of plot that is. Yeah, I mean, we could
0: we could create a whole <laughs> nother episode by rehashing the Ace Ventura plot holes. But yeah, that feels like a good score.
1: Yeah, so again... We're looking at a hands-down runaway leader at the moment, which is not shocking.
0: I think no one would be shocked that Happy Gilmore is still sitting on the throne.
1: Yeah, so we'll see what happens on the next one. But again, it's going to be yep. a mountain to chase.
0: Keep an eye out for the votes. Blades of Glory, Ricky Bobby, Talladega Knights. Will it be motorsport? Will it be figure skating? Polar
1: opposites. Well look, maybe they need to maybe they need to channel their inner Lance Armstrong and just uh, climb that mountain. What a cameo.
0: <laughs> what a cameo. <laughs> Awkward for him. <laughs> uh. All right, on that note, mate. Cordo thanks again, mate. Thank you very much, folks. Thanks for listening in. You can find us at dot at the sidelines media on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. We appreciate your listens as always. We'll be back again next week. Don't forget to check out our new YouTube channel too, which you can find the link in our bio. Thanks very much, folks. Thanks, guys.